gets that place sometimes. We just need a just a fresh outpouring in your life. I'm so grateful that he's mindful of us during those times, aren't you? Let's turn to Revelation chapter 20 tonight, if you would. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. So this man has fallen in love with this woman and he decides that they're going to be married and she totally agrees and he redeems her, cleanses her, makes her his. Then he comes and gets her, takes her away they have this beautiful, beautiful wedding supper. It's the longest in history, three and a half years. And then he wants to take her to this exquisite, beautiful place on a honeymoon. It just so happens to be the place she was from. But he's made some changes. And from there, we will read our scripture. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. <clears throat> and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Go ahead, take some more. and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Well, that sounds like a real deal to me. Praise God, shut him up. And set a seal upon him. Wow, God branding the devil. Set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now listen at verse four. And I saw thrones, not one, multiple. I saw thrones and they set upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast neither his image neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and they lived and reigned with him notice with our Lord Jesus our husband with Christ for a thousand years wow I just read about your future 
Now, you know what amazes me? It's amazing how many doctors, how many theologians, how many professors of Scripture, how many deans of religious colleges, and so on and so on, that do not believe in a millennium. You know how blessed you are tonight just to believe in a millennium? The truth that God has given us and the light that he's placed in our path, I think sometimes it becomes so common that we fail to thank him for what he's done for us. And we'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray. And we'd like your heart opened to the Lord. Amen. To his word. Let's just pray together. Our beloved husband, our precious bridegroom, how we worship you tonight. Before we ask you for anything, we want to let you know we love you so much. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your kindness. You've done so many things for us that we know about. I imagine one of the great things of heaven will be when we get there of the things that you share with us that you did maybe here in this life that we weren't even aware of. We will be overwhelmed at all the things that you have done. So Father, we're here again tonight not to see one another, though we do enjoy that. We love being around one another and shaking hands and singing and worshiping together, but we're here for you. And we're here that we can be a better people, closer to you when the service is over. That we can learn something from the word that'll benefit us, Father. So as we endeavor to take a walk through the scriptures tonight, many of us can well remember our past. We know very good, very good, our failures. But may we be able to lay our past aside for just a little bit tonight. And may we walk into our future. Help us, speak to us by your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me start this tonight with a quote from Question and Answers, 1964. Satan is bound for a little season, a thousand years, because his subjects is all in hell. The church that's on the earth is redeemed and in the presence of Christ, so he has nothing he can work on. Now he says it's not a log chain, but it's a chain of circumstance. Now listen to these words. I love these two words. He's helpless and hopeless. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Y'all feel like I do about that, huh? He's helpless and hopeless just waiting for the resurrection of the subjects. Then they will be separated as the sheep from the goats. Now, you know what, God, maybe you don't understand why God is even going to do this, but I look at it and I see two major reasons 
that God will bring a millennium on the earth. For some, they wonder why don't we go straight to heaven, to the new earth. But remember, God was in his millennium when he made man. So God created all the things of the earth, 6,000 years in making them, the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights and the volcanoes were spewing the hot ash out and God looked at it and he said everything was beautiful and it was good. Then God brought man on the earth and God rested or God had his Shabbat or his Shalom. So God entered into his 1,000 years of rest, the seventh day. And man's fall called God out of his millennium. So man comes into existence, the sixth day, of course, the height of the creation was man. The crown of God's creation was man. After God made the man on the sixth day, then God moves over into this dispensation called the seventh day, which would be another thousand-year increment. And man falls where? In God's millennium. So what does God do? Then God stops the millennium. God never lived it out. It would not be the true millennium with just God and his angels. But God wanted man to be there with him to live out the Shabbat, the peace. The reign of man and God on the earth with animals and nature and the earth standing upright as God made it. So God halts his millennium. Now what is the thousand years going to be? It will be a resuming of the millennium. Now also, man has had this about himself that he wants to accuse God in a sense that if there was no devil and if there was no evil and if there was no wickedness, then we would be righteous. We would be pure. We would be virtuous. But we can never be this because of this enemy of yours. So if you will get rid of him, we will prove to you, without you, we can be a holy people. So God says, fair deal. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bind this enemy for a thousand years. I will let you, unredeemed unregenerated people live on the earth. Now, I hope you understand there will be millions of them. When Satan is raised out of his prison for a season, there will be multitudes that will gather against the Lord Jesus and his bride. Now, God once again will prove. You see, man wants to make out like that it is environment. Now, if you study on the politicians' theory and how they look at, well, you know, what what causes a lot of the problems in the inner cities is because a lot of the people in the inner cities, they're not educated and they don't have money 
and they don't have opportunity. So what we can do, if we can educate them, and we can give them degrees and make them smarter and give them more opportunities and make more money, then crime will automatically decrease. I wonder why that is this, then that theory falls through whenever they do that, that white collar crime actually goes up. So their own theory is proven false by their facts. So if that is true, then the more educated people become, then all the rich folks shouldn't lie anymore. All the rich folks shouldn't cheat on their taxes. They shouldn't do this and that and the other because the more educated you become, then the more you purify the evil that you are born with. But if you know very many rich people, you know that's a lie. Why? Because education cannot purify man. Well, then the religious people, they say, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's not education, but it's religion. So if we can get people to join a church and we can get them to be able to change their way of life and change some of their habits and, you know, do this and that and the other, we'll be able to purify man and we'll be able to do it. No, and that follows through too. Well, let me just bring it on up and modernize it a little bit. There's some of the folks around the message think that if we can get them to believe the doctrine of serpent seed, and get them to believe predestination and get them to believe that God sent a prophet, it'll take care of all the problems too. No, I'll tell you, it won't. There's only one thing that'll do it and that's the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So what God will allow man to do in the millennium is to live a thousand years. Now, it will break the curse in that God said, in that day you eat thereof, that day you shall die. And no man ever lived to be a thousand years old. As far as the biblical record, the oldest one was Methuselah, which was 969 years old. So God then will allow the man's final chance. Now we know and we believe, of course, that God proved this to us in the Garden of Eden. When Eve could not, chose not to live right in a perfect environment. There was no smoking, there was no sin, there was no cigarettes, there was no alcohol, there was nothing at all in there that was evil except this being that had fallen before the angels was ever made or brought to the earth. And then there was a perfect environment. But we know that she chose to leave that environment and of course then she turned around and come to her husband, husband blamed God and we know the same old story. But God once again will give man one final chance to prove that he, if he could do it on his own, here's your opportunity. But of course we know that what man will do, it's already forecasted in the scripture. Now as we go in this direction tonight, one thing I want you to keep in mind, now you may think, well now Brother Donnie, I've got so many needs and I've got sickness and I've got this and that and the other I'm dealing with. Why in the world would you preach about the millennium whenever I'm fighting such depression and I'm fighting such sadness? Well, this is what I want you to do. As we go through this tonight and we take this little discourse into the pages of God's word, I want you you to keep in mind the same mighty God that'll keep every one of these prophecies of the millennium will keep every one of his prophecies concerning your deliverance from sickness, from oppression, from sadness, from trouble, no matter what you're going through, God remembers every word that he said. Amen. Is that right? Now, what's this? In Revelation chapter 20, verse three, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up 
and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years are going to be fulfilled or expired. After that, he must be loosed a little season. Now, I want you to notice that prior to this in Revelation chapter 19, that the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire which is a different dimension of torment than where Satan is going. Now, can you imagine for thousands or maybe even millions of years, we don't know how long it's been that Satan has fallen. Satan has been nothing but a troublemaker. He went over into the north side of heaven and began to preach to a bunch of angels. And the Bible, of course, tells us that with his tail, which was his doctrine, that he drew a third of those angels and they listened to his lie and he deceived them somehow. So the first preacher was actually the devil himself. And then he, what's he do? He goes over into the north side and he declares a war against God. So he's been doing this for thousands or maybe even millions of years, we don't know, but there will be a thousand years that he won't be able to do nothing. He will be helpless and hopeless he will be separated from part of his demons. He will be separated from the beast and the false prophet. He will be separated from not one sinner will be able to even be in his reach. Now, there will be millions, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that'll be on the earth that will be in natural human bodies, not glorified. They will be made subject to the law of God through the reign of the Lord Jesus in the millennium but they will not be born again. And they, at the end of that time, will rebel and Satan will deceive them. I marvel at that, how that Satan will come up out of the end of this time frame and he will go over the face of the earth and the Bible says that he will deceive these people. It's amazing how easy human beings are deceived. You realize if it wasn't for the grace of God, every one of us in this building tonight would be so deceived and we would be so lost away from God. It, it amazes me how easy Christians are deceived, how easy preachers are deceived. And you hear preachers say, well, God told me to do this and told me that thing. Really? And God told you to do something contrary to his word and people actually think the Holy Ghost leads them to do something contrary to God's word? I, I just marvel at it. So you can imagine then how it will be for people that are rebelling against Christ and Satan will deceive them. With what? We don't know. But he will deceive them. Now notice what will happen to him. So Satan is not actually cast into the lake of fire, but into the abyss, which is the bottomless pit. Now it was from there that he came out in Revelation chapter nine with the name Apollyon and Abaddon, and he come out of there with those scorpion type beasts. So God does not cast him into the lake of fire directly, but into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Now John moves from there into the casting of Satan into the bottomless pit, and what he sees is more than one throne set upon the earth. Now where did John see these thrones? They were actually on the earth. And John said, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. Now notice this is not the white throne. It doesn't come to Revelation 21. So what were these thrones about? It was the government of Isaiah 9-6. The government will be upon his shoulders. So it's the messianic empire of Micah chapter five, verse two. 
Revelation also, of course, Zechariah 14, it is the prophecy of the son of David, of Jesus telling his disciples, and for those of you who have overcome, you will sit with me in the regeneration and you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Also in Revelation 3, uh, to the church ages, to him that overcomes, will I grant with him to sit with me in my throne as I have overcome and sat down with my father in his throne. Also the book of Romans says that we shall not, if we don't overcome, if we don't go through things in life, we will not rule with him unless we overcome. Is that right? So we are joint heirs and we will rule and reign. Rule over who? Will I rule over you? Will Brother Branham rule over us? Will Paul rule over those in his age? No, it is the heathen of Psalms 2. Now remember, God has reserved an element of people down through time that never heard the light in their day. Remember that God sent the prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, many of those prophets, and they never went to Alaska. They never went to Europe. They never went to many places like that. So a lot of the places around the world when the light was shining were still in darkness. God did that for a reason. And a righteous God will never judge people by a truth that they never heard. So God has down through the ages kept an element of people that never heard the truth and they will be raised, the prophet tells us, question answers 1962, they will be raised and given the opportunity. Now, if they've ever had an opportunity and turned it down, they'll never be raised again. But these are people that were kept blind for a reason. Then they will be raised in the millennium, but not in a glorified body. They'll be raised in a human body. Now watch, as John goes on, he says, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now categorically, this is not everybody in the resurrection that is going to reign but it is those that have experienced the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, for on such the second death hath no power. Now, we know that by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if we have entered into that rest, we are already into the first resurrection now in our soul. So the phrase thousand years occurs six times in Revelation chapter 20, verses one through seven. Now, I wrote this down. I thought it was very interesting. And the, the time frame known as the millennium, and it comes from two Latin words, milli and annum, milli annum, which is millennium. So it is the kingdom of Christ which will be set upon the earth, and it won't be just in Jerusalem, but it will be a worldwide kingdom. Now, I'm talking about your honeymoon. A worldwide kingdom when all of nature will be set free from the bondage of sin. Now in that, even those that are on the earth will still be here and in human bodies, but they will no longer live under the curse of animals. They will no longer live under the curse of the botany life, but it will be a thousand years of peace. Now watch what it will be. It's the old seventh day out of Eden that God was never able to fulfill. Now listen to this, the prophet in the future home says, this millennium reign, the thousand years, is not the new earth. Now remember when he preaches that, he brings it that the millennium is number seven. And then the new earth is number eight 
and eight is new creation. So it is the old day, the Sabbath day out of the Garden of Eden. What will the earth be returned to like it was in the Garden of Eden? The millennium reign is a different reign. That's just a rest place, see, a rest period, not the new heavens and the new earth. So the earth within itself will still bear the scars. If we would be able to look into the core of the earth, we would still find dinosaur fossils. We would find all kinds of things of the traces of the ages in the past. But the earth will go through a minor change by which will make it accessible and livable for us and no doubt stand back up straight up and down where the temperature will be the same all over it again. But the new earth is what will happen when the fire of God comes down from heaven and it changes it for hundreds of miles when the earth receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now the earth is like a sanctified person. So as long as you keep sin away from them, then a lot of them live a pretty good life. Well, that's what the earth will be like during the millennium. So the devil ain't here, honky-tonks won't be allowed. You know, none of that will even be upon the earth. And the earth will enjoy a great time of peace. But when the devil's turned loose and he goes and starts among his people again, what happens to the earth? Bloodshed, war, fighting, all this starts right again. It won't last very long. Don't worry about it. It ain't gonna be years. It'll only be probably just a few minutes and the Lord will annihilate him. But it shows that the earth is like a sanctified person. That whenever they're kept away from trouble and you know, don't go here and don't go there. Okay, okay, I won't do it, I won't do it. But then whenever they get on their own, then what do they do? They fall right back out into sin again and they go to doing this wrong and that wrong because the earth has not received her baptism of fire. But the eighth day, the earth itself in tight receives the baptism of fire, which is like you getting the Holy Ghost. When the earth comes out from the baptism of fire, there'll never be another heartache. There'll never be another trouble. There'll never be another war. There'll never be another sickness, another sad day. Why? Because the earth in tight receives her baptism of the Holy Ghost. So when the earth was baptized under Noah, it went good for a while, but it wasn't no time that sin come right back upon the earth. Is that right? The blood of the Lord Jesus dripped down out of his body, dripped upon the earth. My, what a blessing sacred time it was and look at it it's worse now than it was before he ever come to the earth when the literal chemistry out of the body of God dripped upon the earth so the literal blood itself is not what it takes just to make you a new creature don't get angry at me now you can have the blood of Jesus all over your body no doubt Simon the Cyrenian was covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus from his face from his back but did that give him the Holy Ghost it did not so you can sing about the blood, talk about the blood. You can worship the blood if that's what you wish to do. But you must have the life that was in the blood. That's the token. It's not the chemistry of the blood, you understand. So when the earth gets the Holy Ghost, and that's when the earth will be changed forever. Now notice the prophet says it's a type of the old seventh day out at Eden. The seventh day I train made the world. He rested in Eden and the millennium. You see, whenever Adam fell and bringing God out of his Eden, this is what he says, the world has now had almost 6,000 years and every 2,000 years was a destruction. First 2,000 years, the flood came. He said it was baptized with water. Next 2,000 years, Jesus came. His blood claimed it, sanctified it. 
next 2,000 years, I'll come again as king and queen. What is that? 2,000, 2,000, and what it'll be? It'll wind up being those 7,000. 7,000 years, and then seven will end, and it goes into eight. So eight speaks of eternity. It is a circle. Y'all with me tonight? Now, whenever this happens, now notice the prophet said he burns her off and claims it for his own and puts his own back on it. Now, notice not the perfect world this millennium. Not the perfect world. It's a type of the seventh day. So the millennium will not be the perfect world. There will be no storms, no devil, no evil, nothing like that. But there will still be people on the earth that will have to be made to do things. Why? They're not born again. Well, hallelujah. That's right. They're not born again. So if they don't come up to the Feast of Tabernacles to worship at Jerusalem, then what will happen? The sons of God will hold rain off the crops. Now, that will not happen in the eighth day because it will be back into the perfect kingdom. He said, we're still in time in the millennium. It's a day, 1,000 years. It's a time element. Now, don't get that mixed up with the new earth. Now, watch. I love the way he he goes in this into Satan's eating. This is one of my all-time favorite sermons. I listen to it over and over again. God was so satisfied when he rested from all of his works at the seventh day. And he hallowed this seventh-day Sabbath For him, he hallowed this seventh day Sabbath for him because God looked it all over. After it had been 6,000 years in molding it and making it come into existence and cause the mountains to come up and the volcanics to push the mountains up. Oh, I love to hear him describe that. And what taken place in the eruptions and it dried off and he fixed it the way he had it. There was nothing like it. The great paradises of God and the great dinosaurs the great dinosaurs and whatever more crawling through it and the great animals and no harm in them, they were just as gentle as a little kitten. Nothing at all to harm them, no sickness, no sorrow, not one disease germ on the earth. Not one disease germ on the earth. Oh, hasten the day, Lord, when it comes back. There won't be one cold, one flu, no COVID or nothing else. Praise God. There was nothing at all. Notice he said the great birds were swinging from tree to tree and Adam would call them by name and they would fly upon his shoulders and coo to him. Oh my Lord. Adam would call him by name and they would fly upon his shoulders and coo to him. Oh, what a wonderful place God had. Now, this was God's millennium. So all the animals, you imagine the T-Rex and all the rest of them, they would just lumber through the Garden of Eden, just pile around there eating vegetation. Oh my, here was the lion, here was the wolf, here was the tiger, everything just purring around, you know, all just peace. And the birds would come and at them and say, hey, 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 come over here, come over here. And they'd come over just like that and say, ooh, ooh, ooh. How's, how's it been today? They see another one come out and say, hey, come over here. And he just comes down, just laying right on Adam's shoulders. How you been? How you been? Oh, glory to God. Them big dinosaurs just come through the garden. 
Here come the big elephant. Here come the big camel. Here come all the, the things today that we're so afraid of. They just come lumbering through. That big T-Rex come with the big neck stuck up over the top of everything. He just said, all right, let him nod his head at him. I said, how you doing, T-Rex? How you doing, mister? How you doing, elephant? Good, Adam, how are you? Elephant language. I'm doing good, how are you doing? And everything looked at everything else and everything loved everything. Lord, that sounds like heaven to me. You imagine there'll be a time that nobody will dislike, nobody. And the only way that's gonna happen is this, everybody there has gotta be changed, including me and including you, of course. Oh my, what a place. And then God allows his son and his son's wife, bride, to be able to enter in to his millennium. So Adam gains his reign. You understand, Adam gains his reign in God's millennium. So when Adam falls, there's no way Papa can continue on in this millennium without his son. Now, notice John then jumps from the setting of the thrones into verse five, and he says, the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the rest of the dead did not come to life in this first resurrection. Now, you know, Jesus says, marvel not at this, for the time will come that all of those in the grave shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And some will come to the resurrection of life and some will come to the resurrection of damnation. Now, some will be resurrected, of course, in the first resurrection, what we're looking for, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be changed, caught up, of course, to meet them together. And the rest of the dead shall live not till the thousand years are finished. Question answer 1962. Brother Branham, where are the foolish virgin in the millennium? They are in the grave. So they are waiting. Why? Because they were not bride. They did not have the Holy Ghost. So they could not raise in that resurrection. If you have the Holy Ghost, your soul's already been raised. So we're waiting on a body which will match our soul. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection on such. The second death hath no power. Thank God you've escaped that. Now, whenever the power of the Holy Ghost comes in, the believer, notice in verse six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, you imagine that, that it's gonna come to the original royal grant. Now, listen to me carefully. That God promised to Abraham in the book of Genesis. And this is what is called the, the royal grant. So it will be the amount of land which was never inhabited by King David or Solomon or Josiah or Asa or none of the rest of the kings because it was supposed to start up at the great river and come down. What's amazing is when you read Ezekiel 44 through 48, you'll find that the layout of the millennial kingdom will be totally different. Now, if you'll take the maps of your Bible in the back of your Bible, those of you that have one, you'll find that Issachar is maybe laid out like this and Dan will be laid out like that. The, you know, the others will be laid out this way. But what's so unique about the millennium time frame is that it will be laid out this way, like this. It'll be one after another after another, uh, 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 sort of like the steps on a pyramid. 
You understand that a mountain in the prophetic symbol, a mountain is a kingdom. A mountain represents a kingdom. So it wouldn't be a strange thing to us that when the prophet preaches the stature of a perfect man, what does he draw? A pyramid, a mountain. Why? It's the kingdom. So a person moving into this pyramid has entered into the kingdom of God. So there's no way you're gonna miss the kingdom of David if you're in the kingdom of God. So by these things, God baptizes us into his body. Now notice again in verse seven, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now as the evening shadows of the millennium day begin to lengthen, then Satan will be allowed. The un, oh my goodness, it will be an unlocked gate. There's no way in the world we can imagine how that rascal is gonna feel when he gets out of being in jail for a thousand years. So he will be released out of this prison by which he's been sitting there doing whatever he's gonna do for a thousand years, helpless and hopeless. And when he comes out, he's still the devil. I'm telling you what, he is gonna have such a rage. After 1,000 years of confinement, you know how we are. My goodness, I, I marvel at people, I study people, and you go out and you just sit in a doctor's office and I just take Emma yesterday to get her eye tested, and I sit there and I just sit there looking at people coming and going and watching people, and it's amazing anymore that people can't hardly sit any time at all without getting their phone out or they can't sit there without some sort of entertainment. They, they've got to have something. Just for people to sit and think about something, you know, you know oh, I don't say I don't hit a sore place. So in other words, if some of y'all have been in that office, some of y'all been doing the same thing. <laughs> but why? Because of boredom. You realize when television was first introduced years ago that the, the attention span of the American people was like two and a half minutes long. And as, as, as television began to move along, they noticed that they had to start changing the scene so much faster. And they would have to make the advertisement and they based all this based upon the ability for human beings to be able to listen without distracting and saying, that's why some folks go to church. So you gotta preach about a 30 second sermon to get some folks' attention. If you say much longer than that, well, you know, just wake them up when you're done. But what is it? A lot of entertainment has taken away from us. You imagine John Wesley and them and some of them early people, they'd go to church and sit there for hours. Let me tell you what it's like in India and in Africa. Whenever I've been in some of those places, they have church for hours on end. And whenever you get done, I mean, they wring the water out of your, out of your clothes and they're ready if you take a five minute break and come back. Why? Because they're not so polluted with all the entertainment stuff like we are. So they've got to have a change every few seconds. Now you notice it. And the movies and advertisement, whatever it is, it's got to change every, every so many seconds because our attention span has got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Unless you go to Brother Tim's church and that's a different thing. <laughs> My little buddy, well, bless his heart. <laughs> but you realize that Satan knew exactly what to do. So it would be able to captivate people to make them more addictive to his things in this life. Any of you ever just sat around and meditate? Nobody? One person, two, three, four, five, six. Ooh. The Bible tells you to meditate. 
You didn't know that? No, that's your Bible. Yeah, we're supposed to think and meditate on the things of God. It do you good sometimes to lay your phone down. It's amazing to watch how programmed that we are. That if our ding goes off and we got a ding for this and a bell for that and a chime for this, and every one of you, of course, know what you're talking about. You're going to sit there and act like you don't. But you know which one's Instagram, you know which one's email, you know which one's text, and you've even got special ones for special people. So you've got 383 dings and dongs and all this sort of thing memorized in your mind. Well, that's Susie Bell and that's Jimmy John and this is this and this and that. And yet we're so addicted to that thing. You watch people when Whenever their text goes off, they will break a conversation with a live human being sitting across the front of the table because it's so important for them to answer that text, they're not even sure who it's from yet. Well, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We need to cut loose, friends. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I know we're all so important and we got a work phone, we got a leisure phone, we got this phone and that phone and that phone. I tell you, I wish we spent more time alone with the Lord in prayer. I think we'd be a lot better off, don't you? Now, notice this. Whenever he's loose out of this confinement, I can't imagine there'll be no televisions, there'll be no cell phones, there'll be nothing, nobody to keep this dude company. I mean, there'll be nobody to aggravate, nobody to tempt, nobody to lie to. He's gonna be there by himself for a thousand years. Oh, praise God. There for a thousand years of confinement down in that bottomless pit, and when he comes out of there, he's madder than a hornet. And you know who he's mad at? He's mad at God. He's mad at the bride. He's mad at those that have lived upon the earth and glorified bodies. And he's going about to deceive them. Oh my. You see, the millennium is God's summation of all that he's dealt with man. The seventh is the final. So it closes it out. The reign of law. The reign of grace the reign of mercy, the dispensation of conscience, the dispensation of the patriarchs, all the dispensation will come to an end. It will close with the son of David in the millennium and then God will bring up the consummation of all things. Oh my, what a blessed time it's gonna be. Now don't get in your mind that the millennium is gonna be something bad. No, for you it's gonna be great. That's why it's a little bit of heaven on earth. Well, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, life can be that way. That's right, I don't think we have to wait till the millennium to be smiling. Amen. Come on, somebody, I'll turn that frown the other way. There you go, that's it, that's it, smile, that's good. There's nothing wrong with being a happy child of God. But Brother Donnie, I've got so much to be sad about, but you've got so much more to be happy about. One of these days, the things now that are weighing you down won't even be a memory. God will totally eradicate it from your mind that it ever existed. We've got so much more, Brother Jonathan, to be grateful for. We've got one another. We've got the Lord. We've got his word. We've got the light of the day. We've got brothers and sisters. We've got a place to worship God. We've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wish somebody would preach with me. Oh, we've got healing. We've got miracles. We've got the power of God among us. We've got so much to be grateful for in this end time. Now notice this in verse eight, and John just kind of brings this all together. He shall go out to deceive the nations. So the nations will still maintain a nationality. They won't all look alike. They won't be the same color. All the race things will be settled and gone, right? But they will still be nations upon the earth 
and Satan will go about to deceive them which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle. Now those of you that are familiar with the Bible, whenever God told Noah to go out of the ark, then we know Gomer coming out of there, out of the land of Gog and Magog, it was the Gentiles that come out of Noah's genealogy that was going to settle this north country, which was called Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle. Now listen how many there's gonna be. The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And where did many of these people come from? The millennium reign of the Lord Jesus. Now there will be a resurrection right before this battle of the dead. Mm -hmm. that did not live in the time of the millennium. So the first thing Satan's gonna do is back into his old tactics again of deceiving. He's like, what in the world would he tell them? I don't know. I mean, what's he gonna do? But he must deceive them before they will fight against the Lord Jesus. You're talking about a powerful creature, friend. As I read this, been looking at this Lance in the last week or so, I thought, God, thank you for the Holy Ghost. There ain't no telling what in the world I'd believe if it wasn't for the Spirit of God. There ain't no telling, Brother Rob, what we'd believe if it was not for the grace of God because there's something about humanity. It is so easily deceived without the Spirit of God. Oh my, no doubt there's things right here tonight that we believe wrong and many of us believe it wrong because we don't know no better but if the Lord shows us something on it, we'll straighten out what we believe, won't we? Because we love truth more than we love our tradition. But it's something in humanity. They have seen the Lord Jesus rule and reign for a thousand years. They have lived under his domain. They have seen people in glorified bodies and you're standing there all of a sudden then you're gone. They see you appear, disappear. They see the manifested sons of God controlling the elements and they see all of this on the earth and Satan raises up and all this rage and power of deceit and he will go among the nations and there will be as it was the last revival, the last ride of Satan. And people will follow him hook, line and sinker as we say. And if it wasn't for the mercy of God, we'd be one of them. But I ain't gonna be, because I ain't now. What am I gonna be then? What I am now. What are you gonna be then? What you is now. But if you ain't what you need to be, you can be changed by the grace of God. Now it seems almost impossible that people would live in a thousand year Eden. A thousand years of peace, no hospitals. No urgent cares, no dentist, no optometrist, no podiatrist, no lawyers. <laughs> no crooks, no liars, no contractors to sell. Be there tomorrow. <laughs> Which tomorrow did they mean? I'll be there Monday of what year? You imagine it'll be a place of peace. The animals will be like they were in the Garden of Eden. That everything on the earth, oh, it'll be absolutely wonderful. And yet these people will go about and Satan will start with his lie, whatever it is, and they will start gathering around him and they'll come from the four corners of the earth. Oh, my Lord. 
so much for that now. Now let's turn to Psalms 2. Let's begin a little journey in the scripture on the Old Testament prophecies of a coming kingdom. Your honeymoon. You imagine a man that would have the money and have the means and he would tell his wife, now sweetheart, you're, you're, you know, this wedding deal is, is all about you. You can pick out the colors you want. You can pick out the flowers you want. You know, you can make us men dress this way and do this and that and the other. But I'm going to pick out where we're going on the honeymoon. And I've got a surprise for you. Give me a hint. Nope. I'm just telling you it's going to be beautiful. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Somewhere you've always wanted to be. And actually, you've always been there, but in a different state. It was in a different condition. He's saying, what, what would be a place of your dreams? No, oh, maybe some of you sisters would think, oh, my goodness. What about Asheville? <laughs> That's about some of our anticipation. Well, I'm going to get to go to heaven one day and my burdens will be a little bit lighter. That ain't the heaven I'm talking about. My burdens ain't going to be lighter. I ain't going to have none. Right. I'm dumping all of mine. <laughs> oh, can you imagine that a man said, wherever you want to go. I had a brother tell me a couple of years ago from our church, he said, Brother Donnie, I want to send you and Sister Carol somewhere, anywhere in the world you want to go for as long as you want to stay. He said, you don't have to answer me now, but think about it. So he came to me a little time later and said, where do you want to go? I said, I couldn't really think of anywhere. <laughs> you say, who was it? I'll ask him. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus gives us a little prelude just to kind of whet our appetite and say, now, darling, I'm telling you, it's going to be like nothing you've ever experienced before. Well, Lord, what about Hawaii? Huh, Hawaii? That ain't nothing but a bunch of volcanic ash with some fancy ferns and big long trees, you know, on the top of it. And somebody said, oh, Bora Bora. Bora Bora? Well, I, I, I'd love to go here or there. And Jesus says, what if I just give it all to you? Hawaii, Kentucky, Germany, Louisiana, Ohio, Tennessee. What if I just give you the whole earth and what I'll do is I'll stand it right back up again and change the temperature to where the temperature will be the same all the way around. Be none of y'all going through the change of life there then. Glory to God. Some of y'all probably done been to the church already, ain't you picking out your seat according to the temperature range so you can know how to do this or not. Oh, but I'll tell you, friend, none of us there will be sweating. None of us there will say, Lord, it's burning me up here. What kind of weather will it be? It'll be absolutely perfect because you'll be perfect. Oh, what about rain? No, what about thunderstorms? There won't be none. I was at the church early this morning and my goodness, it sounded like there was a thunderhead right over that church. It started rumbling and rumbling and rumbling. Oh my, the voice of God. I said, Lord, I looked up, I said, Lord, you've got a subwoofer and a half. 
But there'll be none of that in this place. There'll be no strong storms. California's getting inundated with this atmospheric river that's coming to there. You've probably seen it. Water coming everywhere. There'll be no floods. There'll be no snows. There'll be no high winds. There'll be no anxiety. There'll be no trouble. What will it be, Brother Donnie? It will be your honeymoon. Oh, glory to God. And our saints that have gone on will be right there with us. We'll see Brother Jim Bad. We're gonna see Brother Daniel Nanley. We're gonna see all of our loved ones that have gone on. Hallelujah. We'll see Sister Wilma Benton and she'll not have gray hair, but she'll be a beautiful young woman. Oh, hallelujah to the King of Kings. I'm talking about not a man-made story, but a prophecy from God's word. Psalms 2.6. If you know your Bible, you know this is one of the messianic kingdom psalms. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalms 22, 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Can you imagine that there'll be a time on the earth every living human being instead of learning War, they'll learn how to worship. Well, if they're going to learn, they're going to have to be taught by somebody. Who better than to teach the heathen how to worship than the wife of the king? Now, some of you all might think you know what I like to eat. But there's one person, well, actually more than one probably, but, but one for sure that knows what I like to eat. If I tell her, Carol, tomorrow, I want you to fix my favorite meal. Much to your surprise, it will not be broccoli. <laughs> All I have to say is my favorite meal. She knows what that is. She knows. If you would say, Sister Carol, what, what green vegetables does Brother Donnie not like? She can tell you. Why? She lives with me. Hallelujah. I always like it when you get them games where them husbands and wives get together, you know, and it can be quite embarrassing sometimes of how little you know about your husband or your wife. Where did you go on your first date and how much was your meal and how was this and that and the other? But you know, there's something about the bride. She loves the Lord Jesus so much and she spends time in his fellowship and in his communion that he will have her there to help delegate and administrate this kingdom of David. Notice in Psalm 72, 8, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea, from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents 
The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Psalms 132.11 The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Notice this is an unconditional promise. Unlike the one that God made to David's seed, this one is unconditional. That's why when David made his horrible mistake, it did not eradicate Psalms 132.11. It was unconditional. Well, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. And notice what God said, of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Praise the Lord. The earthly Davidic dynasty was stopped with King Jeconiah because Jeconiah was so wicked. He was of the lineage of Solomon, as I told you about Joseph. Through Joseph, he received the legal side, but through Mary, through the son of Nathan, he receives the priesthood, the king. Jeconiah becomes so wicked that God said there will not be another king that will sit on the throne. I imagine Satan thought, I've stopped it. I've stopped the messianic word. God said of the fruit of thy body, David, I'll sit on, my, on thy throne. And now God says there will not be another king from David's seed. So how did God do that? Through a woman called Mary. Satan thought he had the church wiped out in the church ages. He thought he had it run into such denominationalism after Luther, it never rise. But what did God have? A bride in every age that refused to believe. Oh, she's part Ruth, she's part Tamar, she was part Bathsheba. But more than that, she was Mary from the soul. You see, we are, yes, all of our Gentile makeup, we have all of that. But from the seed of our soul, we are virgin. Because that old nature was never married to that seed of yours. That's why the prophet said, you never done it in the first place. Your old nature is what done that. And when you got born again, that old man died. And we buried that thing in water baptism and you were raised to a new likeness and that's part inside of you says, be it unto me according to thy word, O Lord. I've never been with a man. Your first nature sure can't say that. Your first nature couldn't say it, but Mary could say it. So could that seed gene inside of you. Oh my, it might have been decades of just carrying it around, but one day it got born again and that old nature died and there was the Mary part. There was the Mary part, be it unto me according to thy word. Out of that comes Christ, the promised seed word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, don't you love him? Notice how God differentiates verse 11 from verse 12. Now verse 11 says that God said, of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Verse 12 says, if, uh uh-oh, if thy children You notice verse 11 does not have that if. This is divine sovereignty. When God can and will step in and say and do things that must, must be fulfilled. I'm so glad he did it that way. (laughs) Think what would have happened to David's promise 
If God would have said if to David, then his adultery, numbering the people and the different things that David done wrong, the if could have broke the whole covenant. But God never said if. Well, let me just tell you something. God never said if to the bride neither. The bride ain't not no if. The bride is on an absolute covenant made by God himself. Why? He had to do it that way. If he hadn't, there'd have been no bride. If he hadn't done it that way, no one of them said, I would be a very discouraged man today if I did not believe in the election of God. I'll tell you, I would be too. All the stuff we see going on, but I take courage because the bride is not put on if. I believe there's some people here tonight that's not put on if. I believe there's people been down through time that are not put on if. They are put on the vindicated promise of God and hell will not stop them. The devil will not stop them. The church will not stop them. They will not even stop their why? Because God never said if, 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 but God said I have. I have already done it. I'm your God. You're my people. Satan cannot get you. Not if. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them Their children shall also set upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. Why in the world would the Lord want that? How many of you have been to Israel, seen Jerusalem? Any of you? A few of you? No doubt it does not look today as it did when the children of Israel first moved in there. Seeing the deserts and seeing what it is now, you realize the bountiful blessing of God that was on that land was removed when the people of the covenant disobeyed. And there become more and more and more desert and more struggle and less rain and more difficulty to raise their crops. Why? They disobeyed the Lord. It was a blessed land. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. But yet, the farther they got away from God, the drier the land got. Oh, Israel, many of them, some of the smartest people in the world. It's absolutely amazing. You go to looking at Israel and the prophecies that God made about Israel as a nation. Brother Terry Horn brought it to us so beautifully so many times and did such a great job on it because God said through them, he'd bless the world. You'd be surprised of how many things you use right here in America, how many medical inventions come through Jews. One after another, after another, after another. And now they're desalinating all this water and they're pumping it back into the Sea of Galilee. They are actually the world producer of water. They set up a machine out on the Navajo Reservation just this year and it was to draw moisture out of the air to draw moisture out of the air. And they took it out to the Indian Reservation that Carol and I drove through there a couple of years ago. And they had this machine sitting out in the middle of nowhere. They have no water, have no wells, no rivers. And they bring these machines out and set them up and give them to the Navajo Indians and bring this water right out of the air. So why? Hydrogen and oxygen. So they separated through this machine and here comes this water. Well, they've done all this. So what did they do by science? All, all the Jews ain't Israel, no way. They're trying to serve God through their mind as well, just like the intelligence of the Western civilization. And there will be some of them that will never turn to God. Is that right? But yet God says to those whose name is in the book, that's the one I'm dealing with. Oh, thank God. Let's close. 
I like it when you do that. I like it whenever I say this. Coach, I, some of you don't jump plumb out of your clothes. I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm glad the word is that entertaining for us, isn't you? Oh my. The Lord hath chosen Zion. Now you know that Zion was not original part of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city of the Jebusites, Jebus. And David led by the Spirit of God because here was where Abraham on Mount Moriah was going to offer his son. So laying on the outskirts of the Jebusite city is what has been called Mount Zion. Whenever they rebuilt it in the days of Solomon, they left this part out and did not enclose it in the great stone walls. The two builders now have a tomb right next to the wall for their ignorance. So they killed him. Now the city of David, Mount Zion, lays outside the walls of Jerusalem. There they have been digging and digging and digging and finding all types of precious treasures. As a matter of fact, they found a bulla just a couple of months ago, which was a seal of a dignitary. A dignitary that lived in the days of Jeremiah. Baruch was his name. So they found the seal of Baruch, the one that Jeremiah talks about to bring up the seal documents. Remember reading about that in the book of Jeremiah? So they found his bulla or his seal. Found it right there laying in the dust and the stone. Where? In Mount Zion. They found another bulla. They found just a month or so ago the ring of a person. Now they could never figure out coming from the pool of Siloam how you would go up. They just recently found the steps by which you would ascend up to the temple from Mount Zion. So you would come up through Mount Zion and you would have to come up by the pool of Siloam which was a a place that they would bathe, wash their hands, wash their feet and they found the original steps. They found timbers that was there in the temple that was burnt in 536 BC in the destruction of the temple prophesied by Jeremiah. God is making Mount Zion prophesy and prophesy and they're finding more of her identity. Of course, the Palestinians don't like it and a lot of the rest of the people of the world don't like it, but you imagine it makes them Jews smile because they say, yeah, we knew we belonged here all along. That's the way we look into the word and find our identity. Takes us back beyond Luther, takes us back beyond Pentecost, takes us back to Mount Zion. And in there we find out who we are. Oh, don't you love him? Now can you imagine when the land is divided in the royal grant starts at 100 miles north of Damascus in Syria and runs 75 miles down south into the land of Egypt and runs plumb over into the Euphrates and runs right over to the borderland of Egypt. It was never obtained in the dominion of the tribes of Israel, but it will be obtained in the millennium. And instead of being divided like this and that, it'll be like this. Read, read Ezekiel 44 through 48 and you'll find it out. Then you find the house of God. It will set there in Jerusalem. Jesus will be the priest that comes in from the one gate, which no one can come in but him. Inside of there, it runs all the way down from there to Shiloh. Shiloh, where the original tabernacle was put. There we will eat, live, drink. Praise God. What is it? The prophet says it's a continuation 
of this same life. Wouldn't life itself be good if there wasn't no trouble? You know, life can be pleasant sometimes. I mean, not many times anymore, but, but every now and then, you get five minutes every now and then or so like that, you know, okay. You get, you get a little bit of time where you say, boy, it, it, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. I, I, I've really had a good day. It's been good. No pain, no this, that, the other. It's been a good day. But can you imagine every day being that way? Everybody says, how was your day? I said, oh, can it be any other way? I, I didn't know it could be any other way, but good. So everything is good, everything's perfect. Even the people that ain't doing what they're supposed to do, you know, as far as from their heart, they're still in line. He will rule them with a rod of iron. Not only him, but we will. According to the book of Revelation. Well, we'll get that next time. And everything will be perfect, beautiful, life. The waters are pure. The food is perfect. Animal life, botany, everything. The, the leaves will never turn the oranges and the reds and the yellows that we see here in the beautiful Appalachian Mountains in the fall. There won't be no such. But evergreens, praise God. Just pick fruits off of the trees. That's what they ate in the Garden of Eden. Total vegetarian. And every day will begin with the Lord Jesus all the laws coming forth from Mount Zion. The King of Kings passed a new law today. No working on the Sabbath day. Everybody goes to the house of God. We say, praise God. So as his delegates, his magistrates, his governors, we go out through the different places. So we're traveling like a soul. But still, we're traveling like a soul. So he may send you over to Germany you send Brother Jesse back over to Europe and, and, and you, Dave, you may go to Finland and you may go to Switzerland and we go so there. From, from the king, everybody come up to the house of God in Jerusalem. Yes, sir, yes, sir, that's right. Yes, we'll, we'll be there, we'll be there. This is on decree of the king. Every day, lovely, wonderful. Praise God. So it's like you on your honeymoon and you flew into Waikiki or wherever it was you flew into and you was treated so nice and you went into that resort and they took your luggage and say, sir, ma'am, here is your suite. Here is your honeymoon suite. There's anything we can do for you? Well, you see, this is the way it's gonna be with the king and the queen. Praise God. I wanna go, don't you? When I read these things and hear them and study them, it just kind of helps lift my burdens. Oh, I know they'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> my luck, before tomorrow. <laughs> but one of these days, we'll have no more. Amen. No more sickness, no more trouble. One of the brothers and myself was talking death the church working. And he said, you know, Brother Don, it's hard sometimes to keep a positive attitude because the world has so much sickness, so much trouble. I said, brother, I know. I deal with it every day. Deaths, sickness, divorce, sadness, heartache, trouble. But in spite of all that, we've got so much Amen. to be thankful for. Amen. And we're one day closer to the marriage supper. Hallelujah. And one day closer to our honeymoon. Don't you want to go? Let's bow our heads together.
Praise God. Oh, Heavenly Father, maybe to some that would hear this, they would think, that's just an old man's dream. That guy's nuts. He's, he's just studied the Bible. He's, he's gone, gone crazy. That ain't real. But to us, we know it is real, Father. And we're so glad. For you, the Lord God, who promised your first advent, and we saw those scriptures come to pass, it gives us faith and confidence to know the ones we've read tonight will also come to pass. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us. May there not be a one of us missing in that first resurrection. We believe the second death has no power on us now. And we know the second death is this. John goes on to explain it. Death and hell, which is Hades or Sheol, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So death itself will be thrown into the lake of fire and death will be annihilated by the second death which eventually will terminate. And no doubt the last being to be destroyed will be Satan himself. He may burn for millions of years, we don't know. Humans will burn for however long that the just judgment of God determines for their sin. All the humans will be vanquished. Then the angels will start to be destroyed, the fallen ones. According to their power given to them in the original hierarchy of God, they will be destroyed according to their sins. Then the last one to be destroyed and annihilated will be Satan, that old dragon, the serpent. We won't really be counting the years or the months. We're going to be enjoying that new earth on that eighth day. But we just know that you'll fulfill your word. And one day it will cease to exist. For hell was created for the devil and his angels. So if it was created, it had a beginning and it will have an end. But the life we have was not created. It never started on any certain day. It always was because it's part of your life. Our mortal life will cease our bodies will go back to the dust of the earth unless the rapture comes to take us away. But the life in our soul will live forever. Oh, Jesus, if there's one here tonight that don't know you in that way, may you strike their hearts right here tonight, Father. May they make peace. If there's one with a besetting sin, with anything that's hindering them, may they be able to lay it on the altar of God tonight and by faith walk away and believe that you're going to totally deliver them of that thing. We love you tonight, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your name, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you tonight, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Can we just worship him just a little bit? 
Look, friends, we sing the songs. The bear will be gentle and the wolf will be tame and the lion will be laying down by the lamb and the beast of the wild shall be led by a child and I'll be changed from this creature that I am. How many wants it with all your heart? Can we sing together? Sing something whatever's on your heart. Let's just worship him a little before we go. You got a little bit of time, don't you, before we go? Oh, ain't he good to us? How many plans on being there by the grace of God? Ain't nothing gonna stop me. Oh, no. Ain't nothing stopping us. We're going right on. We're journeying on. This is our land. This is our promise. All the armies of the world one day gather And they'll pass before the grave Reviewing stand And they'll beat their swords And weapons into plowshares For the Prince of Peace Will give the last command When King Jesus comes To live with us Again, he will show his righteous love to every man. War and strife will all be passed. There'll be peace on earth at last when King Jesus comes to live with us again. on earth at last when King Jesus comes to live with us again unobscured the sun will drive away the shadow at the dawning of that great eternal day Crying in the ghetto For all grief and pain And death has passed away Oh, when King Jesus comes To live with us again He will show His righteous love every man war and strife will all be passed there'll be peace on earth at last when King Jesus comes to live us again everybody 
Oh, thank God. Oh, when King Jesus comes to live with us again, He will show His righteous love to every man. Wars and strife will all be past. There'll be peace on earth at last when King Jesus comes to live with us again. Take the verse, okay? Unobscured, the sun will drive away the shadow. All the dark shadows at the dawning of that great eternal day. Oh, yes, Lord. And there'll be no sound, no sound of crying in the ghetto. Sing it, church. When King Jesus comes to live with us again, oh, he will show his righteous love to every man. Wars and strife will all be past. Once again, oh, when King Jesus comes to live with us again, he will show his righteous love to every Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Praise the Lord. Well, until that day comes, we have to deal with this government that we're under, don't we? So, Lord willing, tomorrow, we're supposed to get our final inspection of our new place to worship. If it was King Jesus, I wouldn't be worrying about it, but it ain't King Jesus. See, y'all need to be praying for us tomorrow that everything will go well. Well, Farm Marshal came today. Everything went relatively good. A couple things we may have to change, but we just remember that. Then we'll be saying goodbye, holiday in, goodbye. Praise the Lord. I'm certainly longing for it, I'll tell you. I've been over there for weeks, every day, sometimes seven days a week. And uh, already, already, I've done since his presence. I've been there many mornings before anybody else got there, just praying and talking to the Lord. I believe it's going to be a wonderful place for us to gather in the presence of God. I've been thankful for this place. I know it's not the same as church, but I, I have so enjoyed it. We appreciate you so much. You love him with all your heart. Brother yeah. Darrell, you want to come and dismiss us tonight, buddy, in prayer? So appreciate Brother Darrell. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.
worship those. Speak to the people if you like. Thank you, Lord. So grateful for the Word of God. Amen. To know that it's not a Disney story or a fairy tale, but it's reality. Our God keeps every promise of His Word that He made to us. Our healing, our joy, our peace, our new home. It's all true. I'm so grateful that He allowed us to be a part of it. Let's just bow our heads. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, there's just something about Your Word, Lord that stirs the heart of the believer. And Father, we're so thankful tonight that you have shared your great love with us. And Lord, I pray as we leave this building this evening, may we take the things, Lord, that we've heard and feed upon them, Lord, and meditate upon them, dear God. That it would become a greater expectation in our souls, Lord, to, to reach that. That you had in your mind of us before the foundation of the world. We could become that, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight for our brothers and our sisters who are afflicted, dear God, and are dealing with different situations. I ask you, Lord... By the same anointing that raised our Lord from the grave, may it move upon each heart, Lord, upon each home, upon each situation. Father God, may we not look to the things that we see with the eyes of our head, but may we see with the eyes of our heart, Lord. For Lord, we look to the unseen, for it is the unseen things that are real. Go with your children now, Lord, we pray, and give us traveling grace, and bless them on their jobs or whatever they would be doing tomorrow just be with them Lord forgive us of our sins our shortcomings mold us Lord to an image that you're pleased to dwell in thank you Lord for brother Donnie our pastor dear God and for his labor of love to bring us these precious words of life Lord I ask that you'd renew his strength dear God and your blessings upon his home and upon his family and Lord, we just commit ourselves in this congregation into your hands now for your glory. Go with us, Lord, we pray. And once again, Father, thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you've given us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for eternal life. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Do you love him? Yes. May you go in the fear of the Lord. But Joel, come sing us a song. Enjoyed the service. Just remember the service this weekend. Let's sing this together as we go. I am bound for the promised land.